So we're hitchhiking. It is what it is, right? What if I'm a killer? Well, okay, I'm not. Most people traveling are not killers. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, I'm more likely to be a victim of some crazy person, uh, you know, traveling around looking for somebody that can get away with hurting. That'd be somebody with a backpack, most likely. In fact, there's been a lot of cases of that. Um, people getting tired of travelers. What you're hearing is a video of Michael Kroll. He recorded himself as he hitchhiked across the United States. On October 16th of 2021, Michael quietly left his temporary job in Pagosa Springs, Colorado. He took his dog, Bernie, and disappeared somewhere into the high desert. Welcome back to Missing. I'm Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? I'm doing pretty well today, Tim. I hope everyone listening is doing fantastic. Uh, and I know everyone listening has the same thought on their minds as I have on mine, which is, how are you? <laughs> Thank you for asking, Lance. I am doing really well. And I'm excited to bring our audience this case, this episode. It was expertly put together by Jennifer Amell. And it's about the disappearance of Michael James Kroll from Pagosa Springs, Colorado. He was last seen Saturday, October 16th, 2021. And this case came in by way of private investigations for the missing. Jen does a really good job with the research team over there at Private Investigations for the Missing. She worked with Kathleen on this one, and it is, like you said, expertly put together. And one detail to note, it is Michael James Kroll, but if you are looking for him online, if you're searching for him online, he spells Michael differently than most. Uh, it's M-I-C-H-E-A-L instead of A-E-L, so just a quick detail to note there. And this episode will feature interviews from several people. Michael himself has some audio that will play, of course, before he went missing. Michael's brother, Daniel, was interviewed by Jennifer, and Michael's co-worker, Jericho, was also interviewed by Jennifer for this episode. And if anybody has information on the disappearance of Michael James Kroll, you are instructed to contact the Pagosa Springs Police Department at 970-264-4151. Or you could submit a tip to Private Investigations for the Missing. That number is 866-331-6660. Or you could email piftmtips at gmail.com. So check out what they do at investigationsforthemissing.org. Follow them on social as well. And follow us on social at MissingCSM. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. 
computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thanks to our sponsors, and now we're back to the program. Jennifer Amell, welcome back to the podcast. How are you today? I'm doing well. It's a pleasure to be back and discussing this next case. This one, guys, is a doozy. There's, it's so mysterious. And then I had the great pleasure to sit down with uh, Michael Kroll's brother to discuss him. And it's difficult sometimes for, for families to describe their loved one. And it's difficult after a death or a disappearance to convey how complicated a full human being is. And Daniel, his brother, really did a great job of saying, like, look, like, he wasn't a saint. He was a good person. Um, he made some bad decisions, and our relationship was complicated. Our family went through a lot of trauma together, but emerged peacefully out of the situation. And I think it's, a, it's an incredibly interesting story to listen to. My name is Daniel Kroll. I'm 43 years old. My brother disappeared from Pergosa Springs, Colorado last year um, on October 16th. It's, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of people that know him, that have met him, they would probably not understand why I would say the things that I would say about him um, because he wasn't the same person to everyone. You know, he, hold, he held a lot of uh, animosity against me uh, for, you know, when I was older than him. There was times that I was mean to him. I was just a kid myself. I mean, I know that sounds like I'm just making it up an excuse, but I mean, had I known what I know now, going back, I obviously would have been a lot more compassionate towards him. We were, we were very, very close until we got placed into a foster home. And they, um, the foster mom was said that the way that we acted was um, homosexual towards each other because we were so close. Um, you know, it was every morning, Bubba, how are you? What do you want to do today? You know, it was just always just, I don't know. We were just always wanting to connect. And, and then we got separated and we spent a lot of time away from each other. Michael James Kroll was last seen Saturday, October 16th, 2021, from Pagosa Springs, Colorado. And he was born on July 20th, 1980. So he was 41 at the time of his disappearance. A white male, 5'9", 140 pounds. Long brown hair, hazel eyes. Clothing at the time of the disappearance was unknown, he has a tattoo of the word MAD, M-A-D, on his left shoulder with the Mad Hatter's hat on top of the letter M. He has scars on his nose and cheek from where he was beat up. He has two round scars on his chest. And Michael was originally from Joplin, Missouri, where he was one of three boys and one girl in a blended family. 
And Michael received his high school diploma from Great Basin High School and attended Wichita Tech Institute for IT certifications. And he volunteered for Habitat for Humanity and the Humane Society of Missouri. He met and married Jennifer, and they had two children together, a boy and a girl, and then they divorced in 2014. Daniel Kroll, Michael's brother, spoke a little bit to this kind of tumultuous time in Michael's life. Um, He was living a pretty normal life, working these jobs, volunteering. Daniel talks about Michael kind of going through a spiritual transformation. He was a very, he was a very much a self-proclaimed atheist at the time. And um, every time we would start to talk, um, it just, and I wasn't necessarily trying to push it in that direction. Um, but it always came up and then towards the end, it was like, dude, I was like, I'm not trying to have these kind of conversations with you anymore because all it does is result in, uh, you and me screaming and and, and fighting with one another. But, um, um, I just put his name in a couple of different prayer requests. And next thing I know, like he like started breaking down mentally, like nobody knew what happened. He ended up getting, having a nervous breakdown. He started praying. He started, I mean, he started praying for me in front of me, like crying. And I mean, I, he was obviously just emotionally overwhelmed. He, he didn't, he didn't know how I, I, I think it was like, he went from one side of the spectrum to completely to the other side of the spectrum. And I think he, as we typically do, whenever we find ourselves in this in instances, we, we have a lot of regret and we feel really guilty for uh, thinking the way that we did. And realizing that, you know, maybe we don't know everything like we think we did, you know, and yeah, and it just got really, really super weird. I guess I got to, the, I, I guess you probably have to talk to his ex-wife to find out more of like what the one-on-one um, experience was. I told her about what I did after the fact, but, uh, and I think she said something along the lines of um, that made a lot of sense because uh, things definitely got really weird. Interesting. So after this kind of like transformative period in his life, is that when he decided he needed to like go out into the world? It wasn't long after. Yeah. Um, he lost his home. His children went to live with um, his, his their mother uh, full time. And it wasn't long after that. He was like, I he's like, I've just got to go. You know, I got to go do some soul searching. And I remember like he was hanging out in town and there was like this contest for this bike and they were giving away this bike that night. And he was like, I'm going to win this bike. I wasn't there. I just heard about it. And um, and he did. He took that. He did win that bike. He, he rode that bike. I don't know exactly how far, but he took off on that bike and ended up in California. What? Yeah. That's crazy. Joplin, Missouri, he ended up in California. Oh, it's crazier than that. I mean, the dude dude made it to Alaska on foot. And Michael left Missouri in August of 2021 and slowly wound his way to Pagosa Springs, Colorado, via hitching rides to include spending time with a family on a converted bus. I also think it's pretty interesting, and um, it keeps with the times that we live in where you can be this wandering soul looking for these as he said like these nuggets of wisdom and you can document that through your your cell phone you can make videos which is what he did correct and and there's some pretty incredible stuff that he's put out there yeah um there's there are definitely the musings of a person who is searching right 
I mean, he's crossing the the country back and forth and uh, gives you a lot of time to think, I imagine. And the only thing he really had on him was, was his dog and his phone. The, the audio we hear throughout this episode is Michael's own words talking about life on the road and kind of why he did what he did. And, and you know, maybe it makes me a little happier, too, because I, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty thrilled. I mean, this is me thrilled. Um, you know, pretty dry guy. Um, but adventurous. I like to see new things. I like to take in new environments, um, experience different weather and rock formations, animals. Um, just fucking love it. And meet cool people that are willing to pick a guy up off the side of the road. Yeah, it's a really interesting video. Yeah, and I think it's really important to emphasize how important his dog his chihuahua which he named bernie sanders <laughs> which, which is amazing pretty, which is amazing and and telling of where uh, michael's political affiliations may lie but his dog was so important to him daniel speaks about the dog like it was a kind of spiritual partner he had this dog he had a chihuahua that he'd had for over 10 years this dog witnessed a lot of things my brother had his face stomped in by a stilto boot out in san francisco a couple of years prior to uh, him disappearing. Um, because once again, he spoke when, and it wasn't just that he spoke, but it was like what he said, you know, it, it was just the wrong thing to say to, I mean, it, it, sometimes it's like when you're in situations, it's just like, yeah, just because you feel it and think it doesn't mean you should say it. Yeah. He, he, he lacked a filter. I think a lot of times, I mean, he was, he was out in San Francisco. He was looking for shelter. He found this bridge. Um, I guess a bunch of people were kind of just huddled up underneath it. For the first day, it was fine. It was raining. Then the next day, he was um, confronted uh, by uh, some people who claimed that they were gang members. Uh, one girl, um, I can't remember, uh, Freddie, she went, goes by Freddie Four Strings. Um, apparently, she was the gang leader. Interesting. Very, very interesting. It sounds like something that you would read in a book. Like it doesn't seem very believable at all. Uh, I think she like played like a, a four string guitar or something, and that's why she was Freddie Four Strings. Anyway, uh, she had this uh, guy that was like basically her bodyguard, from what I understand. That pretty much towered over her. I, the, what I got from it was like I, I kind of visioned uh, like an Undertaker type character, just really, really big and wearing silto boots and. You know, when she snapped her fingers, he didn't hesitate. And uh, well, they were like, you know, what gang are you affiliated with? And he was like, fuck your gangs. And they started to stomp him into the ground with this with a still. I mean, like uh, if you look on his Facebook page, you'll see a, a picture of his face is all bloody. Um, that was right after he didn't used to have that huge scar in his face that he did whenever he disappeared. And Michael wrote in his bio on LinkedIn, presumably after he'd made it to Pagosa Springs. He wrote, I am ready to begin a new journey in a beautiful place with my dog and myself with the intent of becoming part of a good community. I am a hard worker with a plethora of experiences. Pagosa Springs is full of warm, supportive locals, which is exactly what we have been looking for. And I am excited to prove my worth in such an environment. Until I manage better accommodations, my extremely good small dog will have to join me at work. Once I have a space to leave him during work hours, I will be interested in other positions. Thank you for understanding. 
it really uh breaks my heart with the relationship with his dog i i think it's um pretty amazing and you said that he kind of considered him a uh, spiritual guide and i think that's I think that's spot on. I think that's exactly what it was. He formed this bond with the uh, with the dog. Chihuahuas are super smart, and it it was something that was like driving him, you know, just him and his buddy on this adventure. So it seems like Michael made his way to Pagosa Springs. He liked it there. Um, he was attracted to the area because it was known to be kind of accepting of people who were wandering or passing through. Um, and then they also had hot springs too, which is pretty cool. But he arrived in late September and then pretty quickly found work at the Humane Society thrift store where he met a man named Jericho. Hi, my name is Jericho Wagen, and I'm in currently Pagosa Springs, Colorado. And I work for the Humane Society of Pagosa Springs, Colorado thrift store. And Michael came to work for us after spending one week in Colorado on his own time. In Pagosa Springs, Michael got a job with us at the Humane Society thrift store. And would you characterize Pagosa Springs as a place that was pretty open to people who were in Michael's situation? Yeah, especially um, I would say I would say yes. And um, from our time together, slash reflecting on our time together in the overall big picture, I want to say Pagosa Springs was literally like a Shangri-La. Uh, atmosphere for Michael, and the way he spelled his name was essentially Mike Heal, M-I-C-H-E-A-L. So Heal is the last, like healing in a sense. Um, and Pagosa Springs is a, is known for its world's deepest hot springs. It's a healing retreat. Um, so it clicked in that sense for him, and um, he was very much. Uh, with open arms, the community really, truly embraced him in a very special way here. So his experience was like bountiful in people um, basically giving him a place to stay. Like I think maybe the first or second night, um, a, a person was like, hey, I have this condo. It's empty. You want to stay there for a couple nights? He got, it, he got that. So he got immediate shelter um, in his first week. And then he um, did some camping, but he was super into that. He like he enjoyed camping. And um, then um, a, a board member upon, of our um, group offered him once he became employed with us. They she got him a hotel room locally, so he had a place to stay. And then a neighbor followed that up with um, uh, uh, like a travel trailer uh, for him to stay in until spring. So um, it's like snap, 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 every corner or every every turn, it was like positive and uplifting and amazing for him here. And Pagosa Springs is a small town in Archuleta County, Colorado, known for hot springs by the San Juan River that runs through town. And the mother spring located there is the world's deepest geothermal spring. When you describe this area and you have something that's called the Mother Spring and it's the world's deepest geothermal spring and couple that with the elevation of Pagosa Springs, it's just over 7,000 feet. It's on the western slope of the Continental Divide in the Rocky Mountains, in the high desert of the Rocky Mountains. You could see how an area like this can attract a person like Michael. I mean, I want to go there and I'm not, I'm not a wanderlust type person. 
This area also has a lot of tribal land. The Ute and Navajo people considered the hot springs sacred ground for many centuries. When you take a left at Highway 151, I believe it's called to go to Chimney Rock. And Chimney Rock is an ancestral uh, Native American heritage, incredible like plateau where the Indians could have a, um, a spot on the top of a mountain where they could watch the sun go over and back and do time, almost like a Mayan slash Egyptian type of prominent like historical spot. And so Michael was living temporarily in a small trailer behind the store where he worked. And he was without a car, so he used his bicycle to get around town. And he relied on his cell phone for communicating with friends and family. And that's also how they would send money to help him out. And on Saturday, October 16th of 2021, Michael left his job. It was about 5.15 in the evening on Saturday. This is the last time someone actually saw him. His last shift was a Saturday. I don't know if you're looking at calendar. It might have been October 16th was his last work shift. And then we have two days off. Those days off would have been Sunday and Monday. And then his return to work would have been Tuesday, of which he didn't show up to work. And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Thanks to our sponsors, and now we're back to the program. And Michael also had a job lined up for a local couple on Sunday that he never showed up for. And on Monday, October 18th, his phone was found in the middle of the road in a construction zone of U.S. Highway 160 near the turnoff for Lake Capote and Chimney Rock by a road construction crew. And it had been run over and the screen was cracked. This turnoff was about 18 miles west of Pagosa Springs. So he either hitched another ride or was walking with his dog, uh, Bernie. We mentioned before how important his phone was to him, so I don't think he would willingly just abandon his phone. On Monday, I believe his phone was returned to us because the last call that was made on his phone was to a co-worker in regards to getting the Wi-Fi password so when the construction worker found his phone in the middle of the road, the construction worker came in donating a piece of furniture, and he's like, hey, I found Michael's phone. I'm like, that's amazing. Tell me more. He says, I found it in the middle of the road. And then I called the last number that had been called. The phone was still working at the time, which is a miracle. And the fact that it was broken, too, I guess, I mean, a car could have run over it after the fact, but it almost seems like the phone was thrown. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable um, thought. So it was found in the middle of the street, too. Like, uh, you know, and if it was dropped by Michael, it would probably have been found on the side of the road um, as opposed to the middle of the street unless he crossed there, I guess. Um, or if it was tossed from a car, you'd almost think that it was tossed from the driver's side um, and not the passenger's side, right? Unless they threw it over the hood. And then... The following, so he, our executive director took possession of the phone. Um, the phone did change hands a couple times here at work because at that point, Michael was just like, hey, he lost his phone. No big deal. Um, and then 
that Tuesday, Michael didn't show up for work at 8.45 in the morning for a shift. Later that afternoon, a lady brings his dog, Bernie, in to us. A couple of days later on Tuesday the 19th, uh, Michael's dog, Bernie, was found without his harness in Bayfield, Colorado, which I think is almost 40 miles west. So it seems like if we had to guess which direction of travel Michael or whoever potentially abducted him was going, it was probably west. And so Daniel had an interesting theory about this. So, um, you know, he, he had this dog and this dog wore, had a, um, it was like a service dog vest uh, that somebody had given to him. Bernie was not a service dog, uh, but in some ways he kind of was. But he was still very much, um, I mean, that was my, my brother's baby. I asked him, I was like, man, I was like, isn't Bernie's vest a, a little loose on him? And he was like, yeah, yeah it's like that on purpose. Because you know, my thought process is if somebody was to try to take him, that they'll mistakenly grab that um, vest and Bernie will be able to escape. And I honestly feel like that's probably what happened. And, you know, I feel like what happened was um, they probably attempted to try to grab Bernie because he was found without his vest. And I feel that the reason why Bernie was found in Bayfield was because he was following after my brother. I feel like whoever went, whoever had taken my brother or, you know, um, like there's no reason why Bernie would go the other way, the other way. Like that doesn't make any sense at all. You know, he's going to see what vehicle my brother was put in, what direction they went in. Not only that, I'm thinking like he would be able to follow, um, you know, his scent to a, to a degree. Yeah, it definitely seems possible. We don't know how long Bernie was alone, I guess, at, um, at the Speedway gas station. Maybe, I mean, maybe a good Samaritan tried to help him, you know, and, and wasn't, uh, wasn't like reaching for him, um, in a nefarious way, but actually trying to help. I mean, most dogs will run from people who approach anyway. Um, but that's just speculation on my part. We obviously don't know. I mean, just the thought of the dog just alone at the, you know, where it was a gas station, right? Just the thought of the dog there waiting and, and being found is, uh, is heartbreaking because they had that bond. Um, and every picture you see, or not every picture, but you know, he's got him in that, uh, in his, in his jacket, you know, and the dog's head is sticking out. Um, so imagining something like that, where the dog's running down the highway after, you know, his, his, his owner is yeah, truly heartbreaking. And when they found Bernie, there was no connection at that time that that was a missing person's dog or something was wrong in that situation. Someone found Bernie on that Tuesday in Bayfield and took the dog to a veterinarian and found out that Bernie was microtripped. And uh, on the microtrip reading was Michael's cell phone number. And by this point, the work crew had already contacted somebody from the thrift store that Michael was working at, and they had Michael's phone. So Bernie was eventually returned to the thrift store and remains there to this day being taken care of um, by the by the workers there. And on Tuesday, October 19th, Michael was officially reported missing. Uh, the Pagosa Springs Police Department started looking for him then. They checked all the local hospitals and facilities. Uh, his phone was turned over to the Pagosa Springs Police Department on the 19th. So I guess by uh, just deducing that part because the thrift store had the phone right at that point, 
uh, they they were probably the ones to have reported him missing uh, pretty soon after. I mean, it's a pretty uh, clear indication that something bad has happened. I went down and knocked on his door. He wasn't there. Um, I just was like, okay, knock, knock, no one's home. I went into the residence and Michael wasn't home. It was like everything was there except Michael was not there. And on Sunday, October 24th, the area where his phone was located was searched by search and rescue in the Archuleta County Sheriff's Office and the Southern Ute Rangers searched the tribal land in the area. Unfortunately, nothing of evidentiary value was found in the searches that we know of. Yeah, so they um, definitely searched this trailer where Michael was living near the thrift shop and Beside his dog and his phone, everything else he owned, his laptop and wallet, were left in that trailer. So it definitely didn't seem like Michael had just walked off. I mean, the danger here is that Michael is a person who wandered and probably had been known to just take off sometimes, but not without these things. And there was really no indication that anything was nefarious or ominous uh, in the days leading up to his disappearance he had made several facebook posts again nothing that he posted would suggest that he was planning on leaving pagosa springs anytime soon and he was a camper and he had camping gear and the weather was in the high teens low 20s so that's chilly it averaged about 30 degrees and all of his camping gear was still in the trailer so all of the important things in his life have been accounted for Except him. So, yeah, we're 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 not talking about somebody who just hitchhiked and was like, I'm done with my life. Like if he was going to do that, he would at least take Bernie and camping gear. Uh, The only thing that I found that I could put a puzzle together in sense was like uh, men's swimming shorts were not in there, as well as like a towel that would be currently being used. So it it let it let me to think, and then that my my thought was he went to the hot springs because he was literally in walking distance from the hot springs resort slash free hot springs area from his residence. Michael resided river adjacent as well as hot springs adjacent walking distance. Um, so and then uh, I did there was a report that he did uh, did in fact um, go to the springs after work on Saturday night, but that's where it kind of ends there as far as the facts. So all this being said, this is an extremely mysterious disappearance. We have the location of his phone and we have where his dog was found and no real information about why he was going to Bayfield. And I think because there is so little information, um, a lot of his friends and family and coworkers kind of got together on the Facebook page, Bring Michael Kroll Home. There's a lot of comments about something just not sitting right with them about this disappearance. I mean, of course, like, of course, it's not going to sit right because he can't find Michael. But it just seemed like maybe there was more to this story. The days leading up to uh, his disappearance, he was posting about what he had for dinner. He had an interesting post on October 16th with him and Bernie looking up to the sky and uh, the caption there is, we saw that, we see everything. I know that the internet can, you know, get on this as like a mysterious thing to post, but I don't see much mystery about it. I think uh, it was just a, like a fun caption to put to that 
you know, that that image of both of them looking at the sky. But if he was planning on leaving, I mean, this even for a short trip, he don't you feel like he would have posted something about it? Like heading out, we'll be back at, you know, not maybe we'll be back. But I mean, he, he posted his dinner. You know, why wouldn't he say where, you know, like if he was heading out on another another even small adventure? And there's nothing to really hint at that he was going through a difficult time either. Like literally all of his posts from the 13th to the 16th are like, these people are so generous. Somebody brought me food. Um, Somebody gave me some money to grab a beer and some tacos and stuff and, you know, pictures of his dog and stuff. So it seems like he was, he was kind of living the good life. He was doing what he wanted to be doing. Yeah. And that we saw that we see everything post. I think if it was just the words, you know, you could have a debate there what what he's talking about. But the picture is kind of comical. You know, he's kind of looking up into the sky and um, Bernie's kind of uh, looking in the same area. So it almost looks like he's talking about like an unidentified flying object or or just like making a light joke, you know, but it, it could be something more serious, but no indication really. Other than it's the last thing that he posted which makes it even more uh, ominous in, in some way. But as some people were speculating, he was probably looking at the uh, sunset with his dog because the sunset at 629, and that was right around the time that he posted this. He, he was also a writer, too, and a poet, so he would say things in abstract ways. But Michael was the type of person who wouldn't let something happen without saying something about it. And one week before he went missing, there was an altercation in the middle of the night outside of where he was staying, and he posted about it. On October 8th, one week before his disappearance, Michael writes, I heard a loud crash at midnight, followed by screams for help. These fellows tried to threaten me if I didn't go away, but I was going to make sure the screaming lady was okay. Then they all jumped in another vehicle and split. She hit one of those roll-out roadwork signs, skipped across the road and smashed a log fence. Everyone was so worried about their own skin that they talked the driver into fleeing the scene. Maybe she'll avoid a DUI, but I'm sure she's still in trouble. Alcohol is stupid. I don't know why I was still awake at midnight, and that sure shook me up for a bit. I can describe them and the truck they left in which is what they were worried about, but damn, I don't care. Just don't die in earshot of me. Basically, like, hey, last night, you know, OMG, I woke up and I was almost asleep, and then I hear this, some sort of crashing noise, and then he he was accused camping at the time, and then he, um, he felt compelled to wake up and get up and go see what it was. He goes to this crash scene, which is right on Highway 160, a prominent intersection. It may be the, the intersection of Lewis and Highway 160. Um, and he goes to the crash scene. There's a woman um, in a car that had smashed through a guardrail. Maybe she missed the stoplight. Maybe who knows what happened, what she was doing. It was maybe perhaps, I'm guessing, 11 to 12 o'clock at night. Um, and some men were there and they were like, hey, we got this buddy or whatever they said to him we got this under control no need to help sir we got it so he's like okay peace thank you i'll start you know hope you're well bye and he left um but it definitely was that you know michael is a very um uh with his look of he had longer hair 
and perhaps a little mustache. You would remember, Michael. He said he heard a loud crash and he ran out to uh, investigate it. And he said that he witnessed two men trying to force uh, a drunk woman out of her vehicle and into another vehicle. And he was very boisterous about what was going on and how he how he was seeing what was going on. And I think this is my theory is that they were local. They had they were not familiar with him. A couple of weeks later, they still see this guy who is obviously, you know, trying to cause problems for whatever they're trying to trying to do. You know, I don't know if they were necessarily what they did. I don't know what happened to that woman that could have been their friend for all I know, um, for all he knows. But I do did see that he posted that, and I'm, I'm I wasn't there when it happened. Um, I do, but I do know my brother, and I can't see him being very quiet about it. I think, um, I think even in the post, he mentioned something about how he he told them about how he was seeing what they were doing and how it wasn't okay, and that he wasn't okay with it, and that uh, uh, you know, and they basically told him to shut up and go away and mind his own business. And then he disappeared a couple of weeks later. Now, I think possibly what could have happened was some locals, they, they were local. They knew that he wasn't. They seen that he wasn't. Um, but they seen that he was still around. And they probably, in my opinion, they probably figured that that they needed to get rid of him before before it was too big of a problem that they couldn't get rid of him. If you are a person who committed a crime and there's this guy posting on social media that he can identify the people and the truck, that's a surefire way to have those people see it or be told about it in some way and come back and do something about it. Because they know where you are. But the theory that these people like came back to hurt Michael is, I think, a pretty valid one. And then some strange things happened with Michael's Facebook page. Some lost their whole string of private messages with him. One person had a message sent and then unsent from him on October 19th, which was after he disappeared. One of these messages was sent at 12.15, and it's not really clear if it's a.m. or p.m. And the Pagosa Springs Police Department received his phone at some point that day from the Humane Society. Oh, like maybe the police were reading through his messages and accidentally sent an unsent message? <laughs> I mean, that's probably what happened because the phone was already recovered. So Daniel, his brother, is under the impression that law enforcement is investigating Michael's disappearance with potential foul play involved and whether or not that has to do with the people he witnessed or if it's something else entirely. We do know that it's like in their minds that something terrible happened to Michael that day. I feel that Michael wasn't given the proper follow through of that door to door go to the neighbors, right, left, back, side, forward, everywhere, let's say maybe even um, half mile radius, one quarter mile radius around the area where he was last seen and flyer it and, and make conversation and give people posters and go and go at it, go at, go at it hard mm -hmm. to get a response from the public. Michael could be out there very much so. Um, maybe I would say, Michael, if you're listening, it's okay to sometimes have a moment where you need to take a breather and just get out and be off the grid. That's totally understandable. But just check in. People just want to know that you're okay. That's, that's all. Friends and family foremost. 
like right like within a couple of days of me finding out that he had been missing i uh, remember i was getting ready to go to sleep in my car and um i started to tear up and it was like i literally as i started to tear up i literally could see like the precipitation uh, accumulating in the sky and just as i was about to start crying like it started raining and i felt this overwhelming sense of peace and it was like as if he was there and he told me you know that it's okay um, I'm, I'm at peace now. There's no reason to be sad over me. I'm actually better than I've ever been. I, I've, I've accepted it pretty much from, from day one. And I know a lot of people will probably resent me for saying that, but I've talked to other people and they've all agreed that like any time that they think about him, they're overwhelmed uh, with a sense of peace. And I believe that that's because when they think of him, he's actually there with them. I want you to know that you're a magic being. Uh, that you can do more than you think you can. And if you learn to think more of yourself, you'll get more from your experience, from yourself. Uh, but if you want to be proud of something, it should be accomplishments, you know. Uh, whatever that might be. Um, be proud of being kind to people. You know, if you've got nothing else. Be glad that you're not the type that would be rude for no reason. Um, be glad that you're picking up trash or holding the door from somebody. Um, try to enjoy your life if you want to get wild and really enjoy your life um, maybe you can find me along the way alright love you. peace Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.